What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Lowcountry. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC and simulcast on iHeartRadio. Spotify, or at our website at CoastalWM.com. I'm one of your hosts here this morning, Eric Cox. Unfortunately, riding solo today without the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood. She's on a break for the next couple of weeks, so my apologies. You just got to put up with me instead of having her on air today. So we're excited to have you back and uh, certainly want to thank our title sponsor, uh, the College of Charleston School of Business, uh, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact. We really appreciate their support and certainly Coastal Wealth Management as well. Again, we're excited. We're excited to have uh, you guys back. Believe it or not, here we are in our eighth season of airing Beyond the Business. People you know, stories you don't. And last week was another great example of an incredible story. We had Fair Caggiano, and I'm sorry, Fair, I probably messed that name up again, uh, but Fair is an artist, philanthropist here in the community, and just brought uh, what I thought was an amazing, unique story to the table, uh, originally from Brazil, and just really talked about what she's been through uh, literally as a starving artist. And so um, if you want to hear the exemplary you know, path of becoming a successful artist and going through the twists and turns of life, uh, not just literally as an artist, but truly just as an individual through life and how to pursue what she uh, clarified as, as happiness, go check her out. Again, you can do so by going to our website at coastalwm.com. Or you can go to Spotify or iTunes and simply type in Beyond the Business. And so as we do from uh, week to week, we're going to turn the page to our next guest. And we're excited to have online with us this morning, Dr. Will Youngblood, who is the owner and co-founder of Charleston Upper Cervical Chiropractic. Will, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm, I'm going to apologize right out of the gate, Will. I'm sorry you're stuck with just me. Leslie really is the shining bright star of this show. I'm the sidekick, but... Every now and then, you got to let her have a break. So she's on vacation. So we're going to try our best without her. We're going to just try to struggle through this, if that's okay. Um, that's perfect. But we're excited to have you. And uh, before we dive in, you know, we're going to go back and talk about all of your growing up and your your background. Uh, we'd love to give you a chance to just take, you know, 20 seconds and, and give a little commercial uh, for your practice and, and what you guys do over there. Okay. Um, I am the 
doctor and owner at Charleston Upper Cervical Chiropractic. You know, we specialize in spinal correction. Our focus is finding kind of like braces for your teeth, kind of like kind of finding what's wrong with your spine and where it needs to be and then correcting it and getting it to stabilize. And, you know, it's kind of a unique niche in chiropractic and I've been, been in practice here in Charleston since 1996, which is dating myself a little bit, but, uh, that, that's, Just that's have some longevity here in the community. Well, we look forward to hearing a lot more about your practice and how you guys got to where you are. But as we typically do on this show, we like to go back and hear a little bit about your backdrop. And so if you don't mind, let's start the story off and kind of uh, the, the young childhood. Where were you born and what was life like as a little youngster in the household? Well, I am actually a third generation Charlestonian, which is rare nowadays. I uh, was born and raised on James Island, still live on James Island, and um, grew up. Uh, mom, dad are still alive and still still doing well, and they live back on the backside of James Island on the water back there. So I grew up you know, doing water stuff and boat beach. We were chatting earlier about surfing and you know all that kind of stuff. I have one brother, Todd, and uh, and that's uh you know my my childhood was pretty fun i was mostly involved in sports didn't really do much music and art i actually went to portugal uh all 12 years and that's that's was my childhood and so you, you talked about growing up you were surfing you were in sports um did any of that have kind of a, a bearing on as as you were a child thinking about what you want to do when you were older yeah, I actually, uh, you know, my dad has a construction company and I did that in the summers, you know, between that and landscaping and that's enough to keep you in school right there in the Charleston heat. So I, uh, but I was always interested in health and wellness, you know, sports kind of lends itself to fitness and, you know, human performance and things like that. So I was, I was always interested in being a doctor and that's, um, I th- you know, from an early age, if you'd asked me, I was probably said I was going to be like a sports medicine doctor or an orthopedic surgeon for putting knees back together or a team doctor for a, or a sports team. That was kind of my original thought from an early age. Gotcha. Dad wasn't trying to convince you to come in in the construction world? Yeah, he, he did. <laughs> uh, you know, that's uh, – you know, it's a whole different world back then. Back, you know, they built a lot of the banks and churches around here. And, you know, back then you did, you know, you bid on jobs and you shook hands and, that, you know, it's, it's kind of a different world. But, uh, yeah, I, I've, I, I considered it, but it just, you know, and sometimes just your, your family dynamic isn't conducive. You know, some husbands and wives can work together and, and some can't kind of thing. And I, I, don't, I, I think it's probably better for our relationship that, that I didn't do that. I so. get it. I get it. And so did mom stay at home or was she employed as she, well out in the workforce? Well, she actually worked in the business with my dad, okay. um, but she stayed home a lot. She, you know, drove us around. She was the glue, you know, and we, she used to have a bumper sticker that said mom's taxi on the back of her station wagon, you know, perfect you know, picture of the seventies, I guess, but, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So as a kid watching your parents kind of go through that entrepreneurial spirit, do you feel like that had any impact on you in terms of being an entrepreneur based on what you saw and what you were raised around? Yeah. Well, my granddad started the company and then my dad took it over. And, and even to this day, even my brother, we're just all kind of wired to, be in control and be our own boss and do our own thing. I mean, my dad, as you know, being self-employed, you know, you work really hard, but you're in control of it. You're not necessarily punching the clock for somebody else. And so I, I, I guess I, I 
saw that and and realized that that just works with with my personality and you know i just wanted to be con- control of my own destiny and that sort of thing and so as you went through pg and you were getting closer to graduating um tell us a little bit about what you were like as a student and how you decided to head up to richmond all right well and i went to portugal from first grade and it's a pretty small school so um i kind of was friends with everybody i was kind of the guy you know that got along with everybody. I, I wasn't in one clique or the other and, 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 you know, just playing sports, you know, we kind of, those are the guys I hung out with and we went to school, you know, we played sports together for 12 years and, uh, academically, I was always a pretty good student. I, I, I anytime I studied hard, I did real well. And, uh, but just was getting a, you know, you know, I, I was usually on a roll or right, right at that level. Um, didn't love school, didn't love studying, but uh, you know, tended to more like science and math and stuff that was concrete and objective as opposed to some history and English where someone's grading me their opinion versus mine. <laughs> so I did well in school. I played three sports and then um, I had an opportunity to walk on and play football at the University of Richmond. And so I took that opportunity. And um, so I played football at Richmond for four years. And it's not quite as glamorous as it sounds. I, I, always t- I tease I was a practice dummy for uh, a lot of really good players, but it was a great experience. And um, it was kind of my fraternity, so to speak. And then I uh, majored in chemistry up there and that was that was my college experience. So as you were going through college, did you have any uh, experiences that really lent to what your next step in life was going to be? I would say, yeah. I mean, University of Richmond is uh, heavily funded uh, by the Robbins family, which is a big yeah. pharmaceutical family. And so, you know, when they started doing recruitment, you know, for jobs, it was all pharmaceutical sales and and it just didn't didn't appeal to me to go and you know wear a suit every day and and go where I'm told, do what I'm told, you know. And I just was, I wanted to help people. I, I wanted, and I felt like I could do that the most, you know, with you know healthcare. Not that I mean, you help people a lot with what you do, and there's a lot of you know really valuable things. But that was just, that was just kind of always my niche, and always just felt a draw to that. Gotcha. And so as you were graduating, talk a little bit about what that first entry level position or, or opportunity was that ca- coming out of uh, college was like for you. Well, I actually um, just up even up through college, I was planning on going to medical school and I actually got waitlisted at a couple medical schools. And, you know, they said, if you come and just, you know, do some volunteer work and do your internship and stuff like that for like a year, you'll definitely get in next year. But ironically at 21 years old, I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? My life's getting away from me. And at, you know, 50 something now I can look back and say that was pretty ridiculous, but you know, it's where, where I was at the time. So I started, um, looking at, at uh, other options. So I actually took a job in a chemistry lab, didn't have any windows. And I, uh, you know, I, every time I came out at lunch at the end of the day, I couldn't tell you if it was raining or shining or daylight or dark. And growing up outdoorsy, that was just that was just too much for me. And and just looking at computers and soil samples and all that kind of stuff, what wasn't the thing. So I quickly left that and and you know reconsidered whether I wanted to get you know 
try to pursue medical school. And at the time I met a chiropractor at the gym and he was telling me about what he did. And even though we kind of practice very differently, you know, nowadays it was wellness oriented and then you get to help people. And I was like, you know what, I think I'll go check it out. And I went and visited the school and it just resonated with me. And, you know, sometimes God knows where you need to be more than you do. And that's how I look at it. So go back to your, your, your role there in, in the chemistry lab. How long did you do that for? <laughs> about three or four months. Okay, so not long, right? Not so you long. Just, long enough for you to realize it's something it was, that was not right for you. Basically the summer after I graduated and then came back and did my stint as a bellman at the Mills House Hotel. And, um, you know, while I was, and I had to take a couple extra classes to get into uh, the chiropractic program. So I took a couple classes at the College of Charleston. And then, you know, after, I guess it was about a year, year and a half, that's when I started chiropractic school. Well, we probably passed each other. I was a waiter in the Barbados room over at the Mills House. Uh, I got you. In the early 90s. So we were probably working at the same hotel, didn't even know at the same time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like great. we said, Charleston's one degree of separation, not it, six. It is indeed. By the way, in case you're wondering who you're listening to, is that a Mr. or Dr. Will Youngblood, who's the owner and founder of Charleston Upper Cervical Chiropractic. And so we're going back, you know, I'm assuming at this point we're, we're in the early 90s, right? Early yeah. to mid 90s that you're talking about. Um, and um, so you've, you feel like at that point something has clicked that you felt like chiropractic was the the avenue and the channel for you to pursue. Uh, well, it just made a, insight to that. Yeah, it just made a lot of sense to me um, that health and wellness, you know, that the body, you know, bodies were created to work right, and if you take care of it and do it right, people, you know, should be healthy. And um, we were never a big uh, medicine family, and you know you know, we went to the doctor and, you know, we took medicine when we needed to, but we didn't really sort of see that as, you know, the, the, the answer for everything. And, you know, chiropractic is, is one of the fields that's very natural and, and, uh, holistic oriented. And that just resonated with me. And, you know, a lot of, uh, maybe we go into this a little bit later, but a lot of times chiropractic and even other natural health, they sort of come across as either anti or opposite of medicine. And I've always looked at it as different. It's, it's, they're just different. They're not, you know, there's, you know, you could be the best plumber in Charleston, but if I need an electrician, that doesn't help me. It's, it's just, just two different forms of healthcare and, you know, medicine is, and as far as if I needed medical care or emergency care or, you know, long-term disease care, crisis care, I wouldn't want to live in any other country in the world. And I'm maybe not even any other city. We have great, but um, when it comes to health and wellness and optimal function, I mean, that does, you know, that doesn't really come from a, from a medicine or a drug. And so that, that really was kind of the message with that of the chiropractic philosophy. And that just really resonated really well, you know, with me and I've enjoyed doing that. So I'm curious because that was again the early mid '90s, right? And you just mentioned earlier your family wasn't big into going to the doctor and doing all that. And chiropractic at that time certainly wasn't mainstream. So what was that like when you came back and started telling your mom and dad this is the path you're going to pursue? Well, they've always been super supportive. They want to just, and I try to do the same with my kids. Like I'm not trying to influence their decision. I'm just going to influence their thought process and their their critical thinking to like, you know, make the right decision for the right reasons. And, and, um, but they were always very, you know, supportive of, you know, whatever, you know, I was pursuing as long as it was reasonable. I'm sure as a child, I pursued a few things that they needed to straighten me out <laughs> on, but, um, no, they, they were super supportive. And, and my dad had been to a chiropractor periodically, you know, just when kind of like a lot of people do, you know, 
you know, their back hurts, they go and get a treatment or two and that sort of thing. And so he certainly didn't have a, you know, an unfavorable view of it. And then really it was kind of learning what chiropractic was and how it started kind of a learning curve for them as well as me, because, you know, we, my, our understanding of it was just kind of like what you talked about, you know, it was not mainstream. And if your back hurt, that was, that was what it was about. But, um, no, they were, they were super supportive and they, uh, you know, they wanted to, you know, they just kind of helped me think through the thought process, like, okay, how are you going to pay for this? What's, what's it going to be like getting a job or do you, are you going to have to go on your own? Have you thought about these things? How long of a program is it? Uh, can you get in, you know, that kind of thing. So as you all pandered all that back and forth, um, was the thought that you would go work for somebody originally, or did you all along say, Hey, I'm going to go start my own right as soon as I come out of school? I actually, uh, I didn't think it through as much as I probably should have, but I just assumed I would go work for somebody. But, you know, just like if you're a lawyer or a dentist or medical doctor, as long as you're a pretty decent person and do pretty decent work, you can get out of school, go to work for a, a company or a practice or a firm and pay your dues and work your way up and and that kind of thing. So I just assumed that was what I would do. But that's, those opportunities just then or now aren't as prevalent in um in chiropractic. So when I got out of, uh, when I got out of school and tried to figure out what to do, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss and, you know, not knowing what you don't know <laughs> kind of worked. And like, if I knew then what I know now, I would have, I would have said, there's no way I would have, that I would have survived and made it. But, you know, I had, I had passion and I had the, and I had the work ethic and I, I just I believed in what I did and I wanted to make a difference. So, and it helped coming back to Charleston where people, you know, I wasn't starting from scratch. You know, some of my first patients were people that like maybe taught me Sunday school as a 10 year old. And the fact that they would trust me as their doctor is beyond me if, you know, after teaching me Sunday school as a 10 year old, but I guess they figured I grew up <laughs> or they were hoping so anyway. Right. Yes, <laughs> so, um, this is the part I love about entrepreneurship, right? That moment, whether you jump off a cliff from corporate America or you just go like you did just start from the grassroots and work your way up. Um, talk a little bit about that, that decision that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Charleston. We're going to start a practice. Kind of what went through your psyche as you knew that that was the path you were going to pursue? Well, I mean, it was it was scary, and I I think I just had I, I knew what I wanted to do and how I wanted to practice. This is kind of a little bit of a unique niche, but um, and I you know, and I was passionate about it. And I just really felt like it was the right thing to do, and it was the right thing to do for me. And that that foundation, you know everything else kind of was details, you know, as far as, you know, learning how to do a, a business and things like that. And, and in our circles, some of the, most of the best chiropractors, they're not necessarily super great at entrepreneurship or business or anything like that. You know, we're, we're the clinicians, you know, we take care of people. So I know a lot of guys that are really good doctors that aren't successful. And I know a lot of doctors that are really successful that aren't really necessarily very good and at what they do. And so, um, it's, you know, when you, it, I guess a lot of businesses are like this, but certainly in chiropractic, it's kind of like used the baseball analogy. You've got to be a five tool player. You know, you've got to be able to do all of it, especially when you're chief cook and bottle washer. And I, uh, and, and that's been a, another aspect of learning is, you know, when you start out and you, you're by yourself, you do everything, you know, you clean your toilets, you do and learning to not ever be above that, 
but learning to delegate and use your time and talents more wisely and, and you know, doing letting, letting other people that work for you do some of that other stuff. So, so go back to those early days. Do you remember a story or any experience you have that just sort of sticks in your mind today about it's almost comical, right? That you look back and think, wow, this is what was going on in the very beginning of all this and how the heck did we ever make it? Yeah, I can just remember trying to make ends meet and trying to figure out how I was going to kind of do all that. But I had a pretty pivotal, uh, you know, kind of revelational moment when I was actually working for another chiropractor in town on Friday afternoons because he was successful and didn't want to work on Friday afternoons. So I went and, and I was actually, you know, and sometimes I'd make more in that afternoon than I made in that the whole week that I worked in my office, you know, but uh, I had a patient that came in and to his office and you know, he didn't have the equipment and the tables and the the stuff that I think is super important now. And I had the revelation that like, I could probably help this guy if he was in my office, but I can't really help him here with the tools and the technology that's here. Now I had the integrity, like I didn't say that I would never, you know, I was working for that guy and in good faith, you know, I was his employee and agent at that time. But I, you know, after that day, I pretty much gave him my notice and said, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, you know, to the best of my ability. And so kind of my, my mantra is whatever I think is the best way to take care of myself and my family, I'm going to make that available to my patients. And what a great revelation that is, right? To have that sort of smack you in the face early on to, yeah. to realize the tools that you need for the trade. Ironically, the patient was a medical doctor and kind of <laughs> didn't have such a high view of chiropractic anyway. And you know, it's just all those thoughts. So like, I'd love to have changed his mind or around, educated yeah. him, but you know, it just wasn't that, that wasn't, you know, there was a higher ethical obligation just to do the best I could with him that day. And, and then just think about the future and going on. So we have a lot of folks that listen to our show, whether it's via radio this morning or podcast later on in the week uh, that are, you know, they're looking at entrepreneurship. They're thinking about jumping into the waters, uh, particularly after coming through COVID, you know, people are thinking about just changing their life. When you look back at those really early years, of course, you were young, right? You didn't have all the maybe all the true responsibilities of family and, and other things to worry about at that time. Um, but who did you lean on? Who was your counsel that helped you through making these key decisions about should I go invest and, and get equipment? And if so, where did you get the money from to start all that? Well, I actually, to answer the last thing first, I started my business through the Small Business Association, um, you know, got a loan through them. I went through a banker who had been a friend of my dad's for a long time, and he, my dad put me in touch with him, and he helped me, you know, kind of go through that process. And so, um, and then I, you know, my family's always, I was blessed with a close family, and, you know, they were, you know, they were small business too. I mean, they, they, no one's going to write a book about, you know, how they, became Warren Buffett, but they, I mean, they were successful. They did well and they started from scratch and just worked hard and slow and steady and, you know, work hard, do good work, treat people well, that kind of thing. So I kind of had that support and could talk to them, but I also had a mentor that I met in chiropractic that just really sort of connected the dots for me as far as how to interact with people and how to do good work. And, you know, cause when I first got out of school, they were telling us all these results we were going to get. And when I got out, I wasn't getting them and I wasn't going to keep practicing and, and be what I considered a fraud. So I, I was either going to get out of it or learn to do it well. And then, you know, he had a more successful business and had been, you know, at it longer. So he, 
he he was always a few chapters ahead so he could help me along with that but you know i think having a lot of like like a older guys older men that um you know whether it be from church or just colleagues or you know things like that that you know you can talk to about things i remember one particular guy i was asking him about like because i had gotten a loan to get something he's like i was like so should i try to pay as little as possible on this or, or should i try to get the, try, try to pay as much as possible because i'm thinking cash flow and he you know at young 20s early 20s i didn't you know i know in your world that's kind of a no-brainer but uh at the time i didn't know and he was like no 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 debt is not you know and so it 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 really helped me at an early age and just having guys like that, that you could talk to, to, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's where mentorship and coaching and uh, masterminds, I just think those are huge because none of us have it all figured out. And um, you, um, you mentioned about your mentor. Is that somebody you went and sought out or y'all just ironically got together? Do you remember how that relationship came about? I do. I actually, um, I had a, another young chiropractor that was just old and up that I knew and we were chit-chatting and commiserating and here's what's working, here's what's not, blah, blah, blah. And he did a different technique and he introduced me to the guy that kind of taught him. And he said, you know, he might could help me with some of the clinical stuff and getting better results. And when I met him, I just said, okay, this is a guy I need to listen to. Sometimes you just know. And it's interesting. I met him at a hockey game and I went, he was sitting there and I, I went to shake his hand. He looked up, shook his hand up to turn back and looked at the hockey game. Like he's just that kind of, he was not a very sociable person, but he told me I could come up and, and shadow him and mint and watch him and ask questions and things like that. And so, I don't know. I just think sometimes when you, when you connect with people or when you see, you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's something I need to pay attention to. Well, um, kudos to you at a young a age to be an open right to advice and counsel because sometimes youth is is preclusive of that, and so yeah. you were you were smart enough to know I need counsel and, and yeah. need to be open to that. Well, I actually um I do a lot of teaching and coaching now for um you know young chiropractors and students mostly technique, but some you know my sort of story or my slant on that as well. It's about your life. It's about balance. It's about you know you know, let that verse in the Bible, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul, you know, kind of thing. And so I try to, and I always, when I'm, when I'm teaching and coaching and that sort of thing, I'm always trying to say, I'm looking for me 30 years ago. And if I can help me 30 years ago, get to where I am now in five years, well, then where will they be in 30 years? I'll go and learn something from them, you know? And so that, that's kind of my mentality with that. It's all about paying it forward. And, and by the way, one uh, great place to go prospect, hockey uh, games, right? Uh, it's a great right, place yeah. to go prospect as a chiropractor. So I didn't even <laughs> like hockey, but uh, that's where the, the, he, he liked hockey, and that's where I needed to go meet Good him. Good place so. to hang out. Yeah. Believe it or not, Dr. Youngblood, we're out of time today. We'll look forward to having you back next Saturday morning. Again, Dr. Will Youngblood, who is the owner and founder of Charleston Upper Cervical Chiropractic. We look forward to having you back next Saturday here on Beyond the Business. Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And until then, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. 
with nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy. The College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.